Welcome to HB RV Lifestyle, the podcast. I am the host, the Honey Badger, here to give it to you straight and transparent about the RV business, as well as other things. Today, I am very excited, have a lot of positive energy in me, but at the same time, I'm extremely frustrated with RV dealerships and RV manufacturers right now. And I'm going to explain why as we go along in this episode. Whether you're buying in a week, buying in a year or two, already own, I believe this information is going to be extremely helpful to you. Okay, So I want to start with thanking everybody that contacted me about frame flex, frame failure, and construction problems on their fifth wheels. I really appreciate it. And I want you to I want to let you know that the stuff you shared with me is confidential. No manufacturer, no dealer will find out who you are and what you shared with me. Okay? They'll never know it came from you. We got an incredible response. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, over the last, I don't know, four weeks, I have been asking people to send out, if they have a Grand Design fifth wheel or any fifth wheel, the brand name of the fifth wheel, the model number of the fifth wheel, the year of it, and what the problem is. What occurred? Because everybody's frame issue has been a little different. And what I'm trying to do is gather data so I can go to Grand Design or whoever else we find whoever else we find has this problem on a major scale and go, look, your main problem is 2019 uh, Dakota 12345. And this is the problem. And this is where it happened. Information is power. I'm not, and somebody, somebody accused me in a comment and then in an email that I'm going to use this information to blackmail the manufacturers. Really? That's not, that's not why I'm doing this. I'm doing this because there's been so much of it and predominantly it has been grand design. I'm not saying that other brands don't have that problem or have a problem. I'm saying predominantly it has been Grand Design as the biggest offender right now. Out of the responses, about 8 out of 10 people either owned a Grand Design Solitude or Grand Design Momentum year model 2018 to 2024. Now, the other 2 out of 10 ratio was a mixture of other stuff. Some of them were older Keystone uh, Cougars. We're talking about 2007, 2008. Some of them were more recent, like Jayco North Points, here and there. Tiffin Van Lays. Keystone 
Alpine or Alpenlight. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head because I don't have my laptop in front of me. But whatever the Alpine or Alpenlight is by Keystone. And it's sprinkled here and there. A Keystone Montana here. Uh, Alliance of Valor there. But very sporadic. Mainly Grand Design Solitude, Grand Design Momentum. Now, what I find interesting about this is that out of all the information I gathered, and it was a ton so far, I still need a lot more. First off, before I go into what's really interesting is I need more data, guys. I need more and more and more data. What I have is not enough yet. I need to be able to connect the dots. So if you're a grand design or any fifth wheel owner, and you're having frame failure, frame flex, please send me the year, the make, the brand name, and the model number of that fifth wheel and what the problem is to LevingstonRVServices at gmail.com. Your information will be private. And I'm explaining why I say that emphatically here in a second as well. So what is going so what I found interesting was reflection fifth wheels no one so far has emailed me a problem with a reflection in the construction department okay now i did talk to four reflection owners in person when they were here in nevada and i asked them what their experiences have been and the majority of the the, the common denominator that they've been telling me about reflection is electrical problems. Uh, one guy told me his uh, 2021 reflection sat almost seven months in and out of the service department where he bought it, trying to solve the electrical problems. They 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 changed the transfer box. They changed the breaker uh, panel. They I mean it. He went through an absolute nightmare from what I talked to him. And he says, now everything's fine now that they got it all settled. But he said it was a real doozy for a while. I had a young lady with a 2019 that she bought brand new. Nothing but 12 volt problems for the first 9-10 months until she went and saw somebody called the RV doctor. And he happened to figure out what was wrong and fix it. So the, I have not heard anything about foundation like frame or wall or floor problems on a reflection. Just electrical issues. Okay. Which to me at the end of the day, you can fix the electrical. No big deal. I mean, I know I go, oh, that really? That's not a big deal? Well, it's not a big deal compared to people's frames failing, right? At least that's my opinion. I mean, again, I'm a little, as I said, I'm a little tense today. So you're going to have to forgive my delivery of what I say. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be nasty. I'm trying to be calm because I'm also, I'm, I'm frustrated also because, not because of you, the customer, but because there's a common denominator amongst all of the emails. And the common denominator is how the email starts. And it starts with something like this. And everybody uses their different verbiage or different words or different emotions. 
the different way of storytelling. Everybody tells it differently. But the bottom line is, is the super majority of you, the first paragraph is normally something like this. Honey Badger, please do not share my information with the manufacturer. We are scared that if they knew we were complaining that they won't fix our rig or that they won't warranty what they did. And that pisses me off. I know you guys don't like to hear me cuss, but what the fuck? Why or why have we put the fear of God into people to speak up about something they spent tens of thousands of dollars on? In some cases, they spent over a hundred thousand. In some cases, over a hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars on. And we've put the fear of God in them that if they mention something or they complain about something, we're not going to fix it? Or we're not going to warranty it? Are you fucking kidding me? I'm sorry. I, I, I get really emotional when... When, when, when I hear, when, when I read these things, the more I read, the more I wanted to get on the phone and just blast people on the manufacturing side. And then I want to get on the phone with service writers and service managers across the U.S. and go, this is your fault. The people feel like they can't come to you and trust you to take care of them? The hell do you have a job in a service department for if you're not going to serve? It's ridiculous. You, the customer, should not feel like you cannot complain. That you cannot speak up. And by the way, me reading this just lit a fire under my ass. Because now I want to do it even more. I want every single frame failure or frame flex person to reach out to me. I don't care if it's a Grand Design. I don't care if it's a Thor product, Forest River, Winnebago. I don't care. I want to hear about it. I want the data so I can be armed to go to the manufacturers and go, are you shitting me? This is horse manure. And then what really, really ticks me off, and it really gets my skin boiling and my blood bursting, is now... Corporate RV YouTubers. You can call them corporate yes men. You can call them corporate mascots. 
I call them, and I don't mean it in a derogatory way, but I call them corporate stooges, now have hopped on my bandwagon. At least that's how it feels. Let's hop on the little guy's train that's trying to help people, and let's go out and tell people, oh, well, we're going to change the way RV service departments are done. Why didn't you do that 10, 15 years ago? I'll explain that in a minute because that's a little unfair. That was a little low blow. I shouldn't have said that. That's a low blow. Let me explain that real quick. First off, you can't change. So many people have walked into the RV industry in the dealership and the service center sector. And supposedly they're going to make all these changes because they came from the automotive industry. Okay. You know how long they usually last? Six months. Because they find out all the changes they want to implement to make service run more efficient doesn't exist in this business. They don't realize that to carry every little part for every little year model for every every run of a brand would run tens of millions of dollars and there's not enough space for every little thing. You would have to carry every type of circuit board, every type of refrigerator, every type of appliance, and you'd have to have at least 15 to 20 of them in stock at a time. And you need cash to do that. So if you're a monster service department, you probably need between 8 and $10 million dollars. That was the last estimate from a guy that actually surveyed how to run an RV service center like an auto like an auto service center. Okay. The other part of the low blow, and I got to get away from the low blow. I'm sorry about the low blow. But the other part is, is parts are not accessible in two days. The auto industry is way different and runs like a well, well, at least it used to run like a well-oiled machine. The RV industry is chaos on the service side. Anybody who walks into the RV world and goes, I'm going to change the way service is done. I'm going to change the way sales is done. They don't last six months. So some of these corporate, corporate YouTubers that have released videos in the last week, up to two weeks, saying they are going to, change the way service is done let me tell you something i'm gonna speak to you directly you know deep down in your heart and soul all of you and there's a there it's not just one guys there's a few of them not gonna name names but if they're watching and listening you guys know in your heart and soul that video is full of crap not because there's anything you can control, because you can't control it. And now, there's corporate YouTubers now wanting frame flex information. Now, I have to be careful on how I say this. But where were you six months ago? I haven't sold enough fifth wheels because I worked for Coachman RV 
as a rep for almost a year and a half. And I don't sell new fifth wheels on my lot. Once in a blue moon, I get one. A Riverstone, a couple Flagstaffs, a Santa Bell. For the most part, all I've really sold fifth wheel wise on this lot since May of 2023 are mostly used. It was the customers that reached out to me. It was the listeners and viewers on the main channel that reached out to me and said, hey, you might want to check out this video. When you have 200,000 subscribers, 100,000 subscribers, half a million subscribers, 600,000 subscribers, when you go physically to shows across the U.S. and Canada, you can't tell me you've never heard of this. So where the hell were you? Oh, I know where you were. You were doing one of two things. You were either, one, biting your lip because your legal team was like, wait, we carry that product. You can't go on record saying that. Or two, you really buried your head in the sand. I'm not going to decide which one for you. You have to decide that for yourself. But it's real interesting that I've been talking about FrameFlex since October of 2023 and now all these bigger YouTubers want to hop on because I'm getting views that's what it looks like I'm not saying that's what it is but that's what it looks like it's like all these YouTubers that are that are copycatting Mr. Beast oh, we're going to beastification our YouTube channel we're going to do better than Mr. Beast if you know who that is At the same time that I'm bitching and moaning about this, I also want to say thank you for sticking your neck out right now. Because I know you're sticking your neck out. And you know who you are. There's a few of you. It's not just one or two of you. There's a few of you that have decided over the last two days, three days, to stick your neck out there and expose a huge problem in the industry. And most of you carry Grand Design or Keystone. At at least one of your locations. So you're putting a big risk and a big target on stuff you have in stock. And you're willing to expose it. That's sticking your neck out. That's a positive thing. So I, I, at the end of the day, as pissed off and frustrated as I am about it, I'm also excited about it. Because I can't do it on my own. Because I'm little old honey badger. I'm not a, I'm not the big million subscriber YouTuber. Nobody recognizes me when I walk down the street. I don't have that kind of influence. So, 
Thank you for sticking your neck out. And I hope together we can make help make the changes necessary to help the people with the problem now and prevent the problem from happening in the future. It is so stupid. You know, there, I'm so sick of sunshine and rainbows. If you want to know where I got that from, from Rocky Balboa, Sylvester Stallone, he does that great monologue about, you know, getting knocked down and keep getting up. It's not how hard you can hit, it's how hard you get hit and keep moving forward. He says everything's not sunshine and rainbows. You already know that. But it's like every single one of these corporate RV YouTubers want to tell you the most BS crap. I watched a walkthrough video the other day. And they got this big old smile on their face. And like, let me show you these pearly whites. And it's something I've never seen before. I've never seen it. I mean, they've only had that floor plan for the last 25 years, and I've filmed it like three times in the last four years for different year models, but it's all new and all different. Same shit. It's just so frustrating. Okay, calm, calm, calm. Okay, look, um, change the subject real quick. I want to thank everybody real quick for every for all the views, all the hours watched, all the subscribers here on the podcast. Uh, YouTube, I, I've been able to monetize the channel through YouTube. It qualified. Thank you. It's because of you guys. I had nothing to do with it. All I do is post the content. You guys are the ones that like it. You guys are the ones that follow me. You're the ones that take time out of your day to watch or listen to me, uh, either through Spotify, iHeart, YouTube, etc. Without you guys, without you gals, without you folks, this would not be possible. So thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you all to also who watch both the main channel and the podcast. The main YouTube channel hit 10,000 subscribers. Thank you. I got two shout outs from very big, well I wouldn't say big YouTubers, but I'll say they're a lot bigger than me. And I really appreciated uh, what they both had to say. They kept it short, they kept it sweet, gave me a nice shout out. Uh, I, I really appreciate you guys. If you're listening, um, I appreciate you shouting out my main channel. And then the other guy uh, and, and his wife, they shouted out the podcast. And uh, I really appreciate you guys. I mean, again, something that I didn't think any of this was possible. I thought I was just going to get lost in the atmosphere. My goal was if I could educate and get 50 people a year. To 
have a better experience buying or selling an RV. That would be enough for me. That's how it started. Now I've got new goals. I'm going to share those goals a little bit later. But let's get back on track for a second. I'm going to tell you guys a story. And the story goes like this. COVID-19 locked down a lot of the United States and Canada, if not all of it. In 2021, not 2020, in 2021, the RV manufacturers shipped out more than 600 and 20,000 RVs out of the factories. Now, I heard a comment in a video that did mention me that dealerships were charging MSRP and factories did not make the profit or the advantage the dealers did. I'm going to give you a pass on this. And you know if you're listening and you know what I'm talking about, I'm going to give you a pass because you don't know. Nobody knows. But the RV manufacturers raise their prices so fast, so high, and their profit margin on 620,000 units. 600, I'm going to repeat that, 620,000 units. That is 38% more than the highest year on record in the past. And their profit margin was huge. Now, if dealerships were in a 620,000 unit year, were charging MSRP still, they were idiots and they're in problemville right now because rv shows were back dealers were discounting again i agree with you that in 2020 when inventory was at an absolute bottom of the barrel amount available dealers were charging msrp not every dealer a small percentage of dealers were charging sticker or nothing. I could name three in Southern California alone that if you didn't pay sticker, you walked. Then you came over to me at Beaumont RV. I gave you 25% off and you were excited. Because we knew as a company at the time, that we didn't want to get stuck with inventory. We would rather got 30 units in and sold 30 units at a decent profit than to sit and wait for sticker. Period. Okay. In 2021... 
If you were charging sticker, you weren't making deals. Because there was more inventory available. There were more built that year than there was any year prior. So the manufacturer made money hand over fist. And if they didn't, they were idiots. Forward to 2022. 550,000 plus units. Second biggest year on record. So if you don't think that 2021 and 2022 manufacturers didn't line their pockets. You've got wrong information. So when I ask dealerships to participate in half the loss. I'm not asking them because they're broke. I'm asking them because they lined their pockets. Dealerships have lost more money in the last 19 months because they got to get rid of inventory. And it's not just about taking a loan out on the inventory. There's dealers that pay cash for their inventory. And you can't just have cash sit on a lot doing nothing. Now, I have said in the past, and I still stick to it today, that the dealerships are half responsible for this mess. Because they're the ones that took the damn units from the manufacturer. When they could have said no. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something that's probably going to piss every manufacturer off. There were brands out there that went to dealer lots and threatened them. That if you don't order or take more inventory, we're going to rip the brand from you. Or we're going to go sign the guy 20 miles from you because you're not being a good partner. There's a guy in Central California that he had units that he couldn't, he had units lined up across his yard where he couldn't even open up slide outs. And I was there the day a rep walked in and threatened him. threatened him if you don't take more units I'm going to sign the guy 20 minutes away from you because you're not being a good partner I was proud of the owner the owner said if you're going to do that take your shit with you and get out and don't call me again So yes, there's a lot of tension between dealers and manufacturers. And the reality is, this guy was partially right. It is sometimes good for the man, for the consumer. Right now it's really good for you because you're getting 
you're buying 2023 inventory for back of what the dealer paid for dealerships including big corporations are losing their ass on 2023 inventory to move it and if they're not they're not even in the game so the reality is now dealerships when they get threatened they just give the person the bird you know that factory reps outside of a few of them won't even call me anymore because they know what my reaction is going to be I'm going to give you guys I'm going to give you guys a secret. The manufacturers and I'm not going to name names because realistically there's still a shot that they'll do the right thing. My boss, the owner of the company I work for, has done absolutely everything he's ever been asked by these manufacturers he buys up yards when nobody wants them there was a time years ago not anything recent but years ago where camping world told a brand that they're not going to take any more units and they already built them and it was stuff that doesn't sell very well in california my owner took them all 30 of them did we sell them and make money yeah a little bit not much we used them as a giveaway thing we used them as a a marketing tool because it's mostly a floor plan you see on the east coast not on the west coast so it gave us something in, in a way it gave us something nobody else had but it took us a long time to sell them because it's something that's just not popular in the West Coast. Everybody wanted to come see it, so it drew attention. But we didn't make any money. Not really. Was it worth it in the end? Of course. When there's a lemon laws, most corporation dealerships won't touch lemon law buybacks. I couldn't even tell you how many lemon law buybacks that my owner, the owner of my the dealership and company I work for, how many lemon law buybacks he did as favors for this manufacturer. Do you know how hard it is to sell a lemon law buyback to a customer? It takes a long time and the right customer with the right inspector that has a toolkit and sense of humor. You ain't selling it to a person that's new to the industry. And in California, we have to disclose when it has been through a Lemon Law lawsuit. He's done it 
countless times. Do you know how many times that the man has spent thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars on a spot at some power sports event somewhere in the middle of the desert last minute because some major dealer backed out of it and the manufacturers built the units and already have them ready for transport. Do you know how many times that man has pulled money out of his own personal account to buy those units and then go set up a show in two days with two days notice to help them out? And you know what they did? They treated him like shit. So I'm really frustrated. I almost want to tell him, you know what you should tell him, bud? I told, I almost told him, but we were drinking too much. So I didn't want to say something I'd regret later. But you know what I want to tell him? I want to tell him to get the three top guys on the phone and I was going to plainly tell them since you don't have a presence in Nevada you're still not going to have one in my lot until you decide to actually grow up grow a set of balls and help the company out we're not asking for much but we're asking for you to have skin in the game and 2.5%, I could piss on 2.5%. I could piss through 2.5% just buying batteries and battery boxes and a starter kit for every unit. So I understand where some of these YouTubers are coming from because they don't know. They don't sit in my shoes. So when they sit there and say the manufacturer didn't make any money during COVID... That's because they're getting their information from the factory. They're not getting their information from the dealers because most dealerships won't tell you. That's why I said I, I give you a pass from obligatory and ignorance because you don't know. How could you know? You've never been an owner. You've never sat in the chair and actually had to write the checks to the banks. You've never had to actually look at your floor plan or your inventory loan status and try to figure out how you're going to manipulate it to get the right inventory at the right time you've never been through it that i know of. i could be wrong i don't know you all i know is you and your wife gave me a shout out on your channel and i appreciate it 100 i just i just think that sometimes we speak before we have all the information, right? Sometimes, um, see, this is where the difference between just misinformation and fake news comes from. So fake news is what a lot of corporate YouTubers do. And it's not just in the RV business. Yes, there's RV corporate yes men, okay? They're all over YouTube. But any corporation wants to control their narrative to their benefit. 
So it's just like, for example, RVBusiness.com. I don't know if it's 100% true or not, but from what I was told, the president of Forest River, Pete Legal, and the president of Thor Industries, Bob Martin, owns RV Business News. So that means that they control the narrative on the largest scale of media in the RV industry. That's if that's 100% accurate, by the way. You know, just like this Lazy Days thing, okay? Lazy Days, I've been told by a huge amount of sources. Now I've had it confirmed by a ton of sources that Lazy Days is planning on filing Chapter 11 and that they have informed manufacturers and banks Yet, it's nowhere on the internet. It's nowhere in RV Business News. It's nowhere in RVIA. It's nowhere out there. If you don't know what Chapter 11 is, it's a restructuring. They're not going out of business. I have no skin in the game with that information. But it's important information. I, I've gotten word that there are several corporate stores that will be shutting down locations by the end of summer. The big three plan on shutting down close to 100 locations by the end of the summer. Does that mean they're going out of business? Does that mean Camping World's going out of business? No. There's a lot of places that RV corporations, big, huge stores, bought multiple stores. Blue Dog RV has been rumored to be up for sale in Las Vegas, Nevada. That Blue Compass has put it up for sale. It is redundant for them to have two locations in a market. And they have one within an hour and a half drive of Las Vegas. Camping World bought a bunch of stores. Some of them are not doing very well. Does that mean they're going to shut down the parts and service center at that store? No. From what I've been told, any locations they close is sales only. They're still going to have the parts store. They're going to still have the service base. And it's locations in which they have multiple stores in one market. And if you actually look at the way they are rumored to be closing stores, they are going to close the stores on the most outwardly part of the market. Think about this for a second. How big is the Bay Area for RVing in California? Pretty decent size, right? More traffic than distance, okay? Because, hell, San Francisco traffic, Oakland traffic, Vacaville traffic. If you don't, if you live in Northern California and you Sacramento, you know what I'm talking about. 
I-5, I-80. I mean, it's all like, you think Los Angeles is bad. Live in Northern California. Holy crap. But when you have eight locations within an hour drive of each other, of course you're going to start thinking about shutting some of them down. It's redundant. <clears throat> it doesn't make sense. Is it make sense to have the service and parts store? Absolutely. Does it make logical sense to have a sales location when you have a bunch of others in an hour within an hour drive? No. It doesn't. Now, I'm not saying they're going to shut down Northern California. I'm not saying that. I was using it as an example because it's the most, like, wide area I can think of. Or think about Portland, Oregon. There are stores that have, like, three locations within an hour drive of downtown Portland. We're in the worst... RV economy since 2008 and 2009. It's not quite as bad as that. It's different. So why not save the overhead? Why not make it more convenient that customer only has to go to one store to see everything you've got? Rather than wasting gas trying to chase something that may or may not be there. So we're, it doesn't mean these places are going out of business. It just means, whoops, we screwed up. We overbought. And re- realize this too. At the time when a lot of these places were being sold and bought, you have to think where everything was sat. Okay. Marcus Lemonis is not an idiot. Marcus Lemonis is a very intelligent person. But even every once in a while, we get something wrong. But we make the best decision we can at the time with the data we have. Okay? So here's here's an example, okay? The data says that, for example, and this is just, this is, again, this is an example. This is not... This is not me saying this is going to happen. But let's use Klamath Falls, Oregon as an example. Okay? The surrounding area of Klamath Falls has about 700,000 people living in it. A lot of small towns along uh, the Chiloquin River, uh, around uh, Crater Lake. There's a lot of places. It's a wide open country area. I think there's 700,000 people that live within a two hour radius of Klamath Falls, Oregon. It actually might be less than that now. So you had between Medford and Oregon and Klamath Falls and Beatty and a few other major places in Southern Oregon, you had six RV dealerships. Think about that. 
You have a poll of 700,000 people. Let's say within an hour and a half drive. And you have six RV dealerships between Medford and Klamath Falls. And if you go two hours, then you've got five locations in Bend, Oregon. So you have 13 stores servicing around 700 to 800,000 people at the most. That's too many locations. But at the time when folks were buying and opening these dealerships, you have to remember where we were as a culture, as a country. People were moving away from the big cities to more rural areas because of remote work. The little town of Chiloquin, Oregon, where my wife and kids live, with my mother and her and my brother. When before they moved up there, the town was with 500 people. When they moved up there, it grew to almost 900. Up in the mountains, rural, lots of land, lots of opportunity. It's gone back down to just under 700. Because now people are being required to go back to the office. So they had to move back closer to where their job is. Look at the mass exodus of people out of California to other states in middle America. Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Tennessee, in the south. There's been a wide migration of people that are looking for jobs in Texas and Wisconsin and Minnesota. So you're losing population in some areas where you have too many dealerships. No wonder they're not doing well. So it makes sense overall for these locations to start shutting down. If it's not making money and you look at your demographic and it's completely changed compared to when you bought it three years ago, it's time to walk away. So when you start hearing these news reels start coming out, you're going to have sunshine and rainbows and Armageddon. And it's neither one of them. So just keep that in mind. Until next time, remember, RV stands for toolkit and sense of humor.